I was talking to Miss Didi the other day, and uh, I thought I would take a cue from something she did in Kidsway class. <clears throat> so I want you to take a look at the screen, at the emoticons that are going to be on the screen here. And I want you to just really quickly decide which face do you think expresses joy. And I want you to yell out the position of that face on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Okay. Generally, we think, generally, we think it's the top left. Take a look at this big face picture here. Go ahead. Next slide. There you go. That's what we think of joy. We think that a smiley face expresses joy. So I want you to give your best joy face to somebody around you that you didn't come with today, all right? So look for somebody that's sitting nearby you and let's share some joy face with them. Ready? Ready? One, two, three, go. Share some joy with them. Yeah. It's interesting that Pixar, the animation company Pixar, came up with a character with this same expression. Look at that. Go back and forth a little bit, Shane, just so we... Look, look, at, look, look at how close. Yeah, look at that. How close this expression is. Guess what her name is? Joy, yeah, yeah, let's go to the next slide there, yeah. And what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at a video that introduces us to joy. Take a look at this. When everything in your life is going your way, that's when joy takes control. This is joy. With an unstoppable spirit and unbeatable energy, joy brings a smile to your face and oh, who cares, let's party! <laughs> Get to know all your emotions with Disney Pixar's Inside Out. So Joy is an amazing animated character, but here's the thing about Joy, at least what Pixar has um, really given us, is in the turn of the story, without giving you any spoilers, in the turn of the story, Joy experiences worry, and then Joy experiences sadness. Joy doesn't stay the same. And that's pretty much typical with the way we view joy. I mean, we think that joy stays if things are good. But if things go wrong or bad, then joy doesn't stay. It leaves us. Friends, based on what I have read in the Bible and what I've studied in the Bible, that's not joy. Somehow, we have confused happiness with joy. Somehow, we think joy and being happy are the same. But it's not. Happiness is based on something good happening. That's where we get this idea. It comes from this, this um, part of word called, it's hap. We get happenstance, we get happening happenings, we get happy or happiness from it. And so it's connected to something good happening. My happiness is based on something good happening to me. But how many of you know that life happens? <laughs> And, and life isn't always good. How many of you agree with that? It isn't. And so, are you always happy? No, I'm not. If you are, you're different. I'm not. <laughs> uh, I face this loss sometimes of happiness. There are things that happen in my life that make me very happy. And then there are days that I am not too happy. And I bet you're like me in that. In our culture, happiness is something we pursue on our own. It's even a phrase in the Declaration of Independence for the United States. We want to be happy. So we pursue what? Happiness. And in our culture, we've been told that you just need to buy this and you'll be happy, or go here and you'll be happy, or do this 
and you'll be happy. But even in this pursuit of happiness in our lives, we find that it isn't working. You know why? Because happiness is temporary. And we all know this to be true. I mean, just when we think we're happy, it's gone. I mean, you know, Disneyland is called the happiest place on earth. I don't know about you, but I've seen some very unhappy people there, depending on how long the lines are, or depending on how cranky the kids are, you know, or depending on how high the, the food costs are, right? It, it's, it's amazing. Just when we think we're happy, it's gone. And because it's temporary, I'm never, you're never happy enough. Happiness is a feeling that comes and goes. It's temporary. Yes, God wants us to experience happiness. I want you to turn to the person next to you and just tell them, God wants you to be happy. Come, just come, go on, tell them. Yeah, he wants you to be happy. He wants you to experience this. But here's the key. God never intends for his people to just be emotional. God's desire is for you, for me, to experience joy. Unfortunately, our world has a shortage of joy. A surplus of fear and worry and discouragement and depression and disappointment and all those kinds of things, but very little joy. So what are we supposed to do? I mean, if, if happiness is temporary and God's desire is for us to experience joy, what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to experience this? Well, the Apostle Paul tells us that all we need to do, and I say all, <laughs> All we need to do is to let the Holy Spirit give us what we need. And that's what we've been talking about over the last several weeks. Take a look. The Holy Spirit, Galatians 5, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Come on, read them with me. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So today we're in part three of our series, and we're going to focus on, guess what? Say it with me. Joy. Yeah, joy. Joy is a huge topic in the Bible. I don't know if you've ever read the Bible through the lens of joy, but joy appears, the idea in some form, rejoice in all kinds of different ways, but some form, joy appears 333 times in just the New Living Translation of the Bible. Rejoice, which is the verb form of joy, uh, meaning to have joy, appears 138 times in the Bible. So the idea of us experiencing joy is a big deal in the Bible. And when writing, Paul, the Apostle Paul, uses a very interesting word. We've talked about here before that the New Testament was originally written in Greek, Koine Greek, and then it was translated so that we could understand it in English. And Paul uses a very interesting word when he writes in the original Greek. It's the word kara. And what it means is to lean towards an awareness of God's grace. Isn't that good? To lean towards. Can you lean with me in your chair? Just lean forward. Like you're just leaning in. You're ready for something to happen. You're wanting something to happen. You're expecting something to happen. This is what Paul is talking about when he explains Joy, kara. Let me give you a few quick notes about joy. I don't know if they're on your outline or not, but if you want to write them down, you can. One is that joy is not conditional like happiness. We understand that. The second, joy is not circumstantial like happiness. Another one is joy is not limited like happiness. And then lastly, joy is not superficial. It's not shallow like happiness. 
This is what I want us to get today. I want us to have kind of a working definition of joy. And I think this is a really good one. And you'll see how it applies to something that Paul wrote in just a minute. I want you to fill in the blank on your outline, this full page outline that you have in your brochure. We'd love for you to follow along. Here it is. Ready? Joy is, say that with me. Joy is a confident hope that God is in control. That's good, isn't it? A confident hope that God is in control. And you say, wait, I thought it was a feeling. No. I thought it was an emotion. No. It's based on fact. It's based on truth. It's based on trust. It's a hope. It's a confident hope that God is in control. Joy doesn't rise or fall on positive or negative experiences. Joy is, is settledness. It's not flimsy, it's firm, it's, it's deep below the surface. I like to think of it as a, as a strong current of confidence that runs through your life, believing that everything is in God's hands, that he is in control. See, God doesn't want us to live by our feelings. God wants you and I to live by faith. And it's true. It's a confident hope. Joy is, joy is trusting in God no matter what. Look at what Paul says in Romans 15. And this is where I get this idea, this definition of joy. Paul says, I pray that God will fill you completely with what? Joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, this is what we're talking about. This is what Paul is talking about. It's what he's trying to get across to us. This is a work that the Holy Spirit produces in our life. It's this experience of joy, and it, is, it becomes a life of joy. It becomes a confident hope that God is in control. And all of this sounds good. I mean, joy is a confident hope that God is in control. We can say it all day long, and it sounds great, doesn't it? But in the Bible, and this is something that we fail to see and we fail to realize, in the Bible, joy is consistently linked with facing difficulties. Wow. I don't know about you, but that's not what I think about. I don't think about joy and difficulties in the same thought. I don't put those two things together. In fact, to be honest, I go just the opposite. When I'm having difficulties, I don't think I have joy. It seems like joy is somewhere else. It's not there for me because I'm facing difficulties. But in the Bible, it's always, almost always, connected with facing difficulties. Now, there's this unknown prophet named Habakkuk, and he, look what he declares. He says, even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines... Even though the olive crops fail and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice. You know what that means? Have joy. I will have joy in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Look what he says here. The sovereign Lord. What does that mean? That phrase means the God who is in control. The sovereign Lord is my strength. So he's saying, even though I face all of this emptiness and barrenness and unfruitfulness, even though I face all of this hardship and difficulty and tough times, I still will have joy in my God. Hmm. 
The Apostle James writes this, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind, how many of you have ever had troubles of any kind? (laughs) Troubles of any kind come your way. Consider it an opportunity for what? What's the key word? Great. Let's look at this again. Dear brothers and sisters, he's talking to us, right? If you're a follower of Jesus, he's talking to you. When troubles of any kind, when difficulties of any kind, when hardships of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for you to have great joy. Do you, do you view difficulties that way? Do you, do you walk into a really bad day on Monday and go, <laughs> I'm going to get great joy today because really everything stinks right now. Right? No, we, we, don't, we don't walk into life that way. We don't walk into our everyday. We, we miss joy. The Apostle Peter says this, there is wonderful joy ahead, even though, <laughs> just like Habakkuk, right? Even though you must endure many trials for a while. Wow. Look what the Apostle Paul writes. He's writing to some followers, and he says, about rather, some followers, and he says, they are being tested by many troubles, but they are filled with abundant joy. So you have joy in the midst of trouble. Huh. I love what Paul writes about what he and his group faced in 2 Corinthians. I love this passage. Look what he says. We patiently endured troubles, and hardships, and calamities of every kind. We have been beaten. We've been put in prison. We've faced angry mobs. We've worked to exhaustion. We've endured sleepless nights. We've gone without food. We've lived close to death. But we are still alive. We have been beaten, but we have not been killed. Then look what he says. Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. That's what I struggle with. Maybe you do too. Because my bad days are never that bad. Right? I mean, when you read that, you you look back and go, wow, I may really be having a bad day, but I'm not close to anything of what Paul is going through. And yet, I struggle to have joy. And he's saying, We have joy always. What? How do you do that, Paul? How how can you have joy no matter what? How can you always have joy? Anybody else in the room struggle with that like I do? Like how, how? How does it work? I think Paul discovered something that can really help us. I want you to look at Romans 5 with me. Paul says, We have joy with our troubles because we know that these troubles produce patience. Follow this, this, connect the dots here with me, okay? Follow his train of thought. So, So we have joy with our troubles because we know that these troubles produce patience and patience produces character and character produces, what's that word? Hope. We already talked about hope, right? And this hope will not lead to disappointment. Uh Uh-oh, here it is. For, because... We know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Do do you see it? You see how Paul is saying that we have joy in our troubles? 
He started out that way. We have joy in our troubles. How, Paul? For we know how dearly God loves us. Huh. I mean, look what Paul writes in Romans 8. This gives me hope. This gives me joy. Paul says, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below, indeed nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus. What can separate us from God's love? Help me out here. Nothing. Nothing. Wow. I'm convinced, and Paul, I think, found this. I'm convinced. You want to get this down. This is an answer. This is a key right here. Knowing God's love and experiencing joy are connected. Knowing God's love and experiencing joy are connected. My joy increases the more I know God's love. My joy increases the more I understand and grasp the love that God has for me. <clears throat> Last week, I gave you some homework to take home, and it was all about the love of God, and you see how these weeks were working together now. There's something that Paul found. The Apostle Paul discovered something about knowing God's love that triggers so much in our spiritual life. That if you and I could really understand and grasp and come to terms with how much God loves us, it could change everything. It is the game changer for us spiritually. Hmm. I, I think it's so important for us that this is why Jesus talks about it. It's interesting, we're going back to a passage of Scripture in John 15 that we used up front to talk about the fruit, and we got into this series about the fruit on the vine and all of this stuff. But then Jesus talks to his closest followers a little bit more, and he talks to them about love, how much love he has for them. Take a look, John 15, 9. Jesus says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Wow. Then he goes, Remain in my love. Interesting phrase. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things. What things? These things about remaining in my love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with what? Joy, full of joy. Hmm. I want you to circle that word filled on your outline. Would you do that for me for just a minute? Just circle it. It's an interesting word. Again, we've talked about the Greek and the translation. This word is, is in the original Greek, it is the word pleres. And what it means is to make completely full. Have you ever made something completely full? I have a bad habit when I'm at a, at a soda machine and, um, and I just keep filling it. And if I get distracted, like if I'm looking for a straw, well, I don't do straws anymore. If I'm looking for a lid or, you know, talking to somebody or whatever, have you ever had it pour over onto your hand before? Shh. Oh. And you, what do you do? What's the first thing you do? You back up and you just spill it all over the floor, right? We always do that, right? 
This is the kind of completely full that this verse is talking about. Overflowing full. So, so wait, let's back up, let's think about this. Jesus is saying that he wants us to have overflowing, completely full joy in our lives. How do we get it? We, we remain in his love. Wow. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I need this. I need to be filled with joy on a daily basis. I need to have overflowing joy on a daily basis. And Jesus tells me how to experience it. Look what he says in verse 9. Remain in my love so that you will be filled with my joy. Come on, read it with me. Remain in my love so that you will be filled with my joy. Isn't that an easy answer? It's right there. How do we get this kind of joy that Paul is talking about, that Paul has discovered, that he's saying is a fruit of the Holy Spirit being produced in our lives? We remain in, in Jesus' love. So what does it mean to remain in his love? For me, it's spending time with him every day. On a daily basis, listening to him. Listening through his word, to, uh, through the Bible. Listening to him, talking with him in prayer. I did it this morning, got up about 6.30 this morning. Spent some time with him even before I came in here. I, I, I want you to notice how the psalmist David knew this. Look what David writes to God. David says, being with you will fill me with joy. Being with him. There's something about being with him, spending time with Jesus that helps us to remain in his love. And I mean, it, it makes sense, right? If you hang out with somebody, they're going to rub off on you. I mean, think about it. If, if, if you're hanging out with somebody who really loves you, guess what? You're going to feel that love, right? If, if, if you hang out with somebody who is really joyful, full of joy, you're going you're to feel that joy. It's going to rub off on you. And that's what Jesus is saying. Remain in my love. Hang out with me. Spend time with me. Friends, listen. If you are not spending time with Jesus every day, and I'm not talking hours at a time, just a short amount of time every day. If you're not spending time with Jesus every day, reading his word, listening to him through his word, talking to him in prayer, if you're not spending that time, you are missing the greatest source of joy in your life because you're not remaining in his love. You're not accessing the source of joy. But Jesus tells us something else in this passage. He says this, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Did I give you the fill-in on that? I may have just skipped the fill-in. Did, did I already give it to you? I'm, getting, I'm excited about this text. Um, the the fill-in is I experience joy when I spend time with Jesus, right? All right. Thanks, Shane. I could look back there and Shane was lost, and I thought, uh-oh, that's me, all right? So now let's jump to what Jesus says the rest of this. Jesus says, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love so that you will be filled with my joy. So here it is. Get this one down. I experience joy when I obey what Jesus says. So not only spending time with him, but obeying what Jesus says. Disobedience gets in the way. My sin hinders my relationship with Jesus. And if my sin affects my relationship with Jesus, guess what? My sin affects my joy. Your sin affects your joy. If you are disobeying, if you're not doing what Jesus is telling you to do, you start losing joy. 
Now, what's interesting is Jesus tells us a little bit later in John 16, this, this whole um, John 14, 15, 16, and 17, or a time when Jesus was with his closest 12 disciples just before he went to the cross. So all of those chapters together, they're in this room together. They're um, having a Passover together. They're around a table, and Jesus is talking to his closest 12. And in John 16, later on, Jesus says to them, no one will take away your joy. And you say, well, wait a minute. How can you lose your joy if no one's taking away your joy? Actually, do you know you can lose joy even though no one can take it away from you? Guess what? You can give it up. Hmm. See, something we need to realize is that we can give up our joy through disobedience my sin, your sin, gets in the way, and guess what we give up? Joy. Hmm. Now, the psalmist David, once again, he understood this. <laughs> David, he, he had an affair. He got the lady pregnant. She was a married lady. He worked out details to have her husband killed so that it would all be hidden. And then he ends up marrying her, thinking that he's hiding this pregnancy. This is... This is in the Bible. This is like TV drama stuff, right? And it's in the Bible. And David knew that his sin had caused him to lose so much. He even mentions that it caused him to lose joy. And look at how he cries out in Psalm 51. David says, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Do you see it all, what we've just been talking about? Do you see all of what David wrote is all of what we've been talking about? He sums it up for us, spending time in God's presence. He talks about the Holy Spirit. He talks about joy. He talks about obedience. It's all right there. Maybe sin has caused you to lose joy in your life. Maybe circumstances have caused you to lose joy. Maybe you're facing a difficult time right now and you say, I, I need joy. What you need is a confident hope that God is in control. No matter what, that God is in control. And when we don't have joy, do you know what we are? Miserable. Right? I mean, we all know that to be true. Sometimes we are miserable people and we are miserable to be around. But do you realize how your lack of joy is affecting those around you. Do you realize how the joy that the Holy Spirit can produce in your life could affect those around you? That if the Holy Spirit begins to produce more joy in your life, how it could change the relationships that you're in, at work, at home, at school. It could change everything for you. And that's why Paul says, the Holy Spirit wants to produce this in your life. Joy. Would you bow your heads with me?